Hello, this is Austin Art Talk, and I'm your host, artist and photographer, Scott David Gordon. Join me as I go in-depth to learn about artists local to Austin and beyond. We'll dig into their origins and explore their paths and careers as artists, struggles and triumphs, setbacks and successes, and everything in between. I really love creating this podcast, and hopefully we can all figure out together how to better connect and support each other and our local art communities and create opportunities and abundance for ourselves through conversations like these and the ripples they create. This podcast is supported by people like you who find value in these talks and the work that goes into them and their production. Discover all the ways you can help keep this podcast going by visiting the support tab at austinarttalk.com. Consider sharing any episode that you love with someone you love and give a minute to leave a rating and review or feedback. And follow along on Instagram to stay up to date and share any ideas or questions or sign up with your email on the website. And keep in mind, no matter what you may be going through, you're not alone. That is why these conversations exist. Our shared humanity and experiences give us strength, hope, and a path forward. On to the heart of the show. Suzanne Kett is an artist, photographer, and art educator whose ongoing photo project captured on film, Pandemic, is a series of portraits of quarantined families and individuals in places they reside. I could relate to so many of the ways that Suzanne thinks about and lives her life. And what impressed me the most is her very intentional dedication to self-growth through her art creation. Be sure to visit her website, SuzanneKett.com, to see all of her various series and the obvious and not-so-obvious path she's been on for the last decade. Please enjoy this conversation with the very talented and thoughtful Suzanne Kett. Thanks for being on my podcast, Suzanne. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, we just recorded 18 minutes and then realized it wasn't recording. We actually didn't record 18 minutes, so now we're starting over, everyone. Um, so we're warmed up. We're all warmed up. Um, well, okay, I'll start by saying um, I discovered you on Instagram. I can't remember who posted something about your photo project pandemic that you're doing right now, and I was just really impressed by it. Um essentially photos of families in quarantined in their houses and you're shooting on film, which I think is uh, really cool. What could you share about that project um, that people might find interesting? I think I'm just I'm photographing people during a time unlike we've never experienced before, all of us collectively. It's new to us. And like initially, um, I just wanted to photograph some friends just to see how they were doing and show up to their house at a safe distance away. And uh, a vacation was canceled. My wife and I were supposed to go to Washington, D.C. to visit some friends. And obviously, we canceled our trip. And so I had all this film with me for the trip and my camera ready to go. So initially, it was just to sort of see how my friends were doing in this time. And then as everything quickly progressed... Um, it kind of became something more interesting. And, you know, looking through the pictures now, and I'm continuing the project on, it's sort of I'm able to pause and be with each family or couple or individual and sort of, you know, reflect on our conversation we had at that time and capture them in this historical pause, this historical moment. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's that's pretty much what it turned into. And I think as I 
as I was taking more photos, it dawned on me like nobody's ever been through something like this. And just even as a society, I think about a lot, you know, who were we before this happened? Who are we during and who are we going to be after just as, as people and a society, just because it seems like things are being cracked open a little bit and maybe we'll change and maybe we will go back to being how we were, but it's an interesting time to think about. Yeah, I definitely think everything's changed forever, for sure. I mean, I think it's changed (laughs) me for sure. It's changed a lot of people I know. Um, And I really, I can see, I mean, you're very transparent, I think, in the captions that you're writing to go along with the photos about your process and what you're going through. I really enjoy that. It's like been a way, I think that's what inspired me to interview you because I felt like I was getting to know you through the captions and the photos and it was just interesting and it's comforting in a way to see someone else going through something that you can relate to. I mean, we're all going through it in our different ways, but I felt like I could relate to what you were saying that you were going through. Um, it's, it's nice to put a voice to that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a very, uh, human experience and I think, you know, we're feeling all these various things during this time, like uncertainty, but also, you know, maybe some fear, maybe some anger and joy. And there's a lot of levity too. And I'm, I don't know, I like to kind of feel everything. I think like all feelings Mm. are important to acknowledge them. And so I think like in the post, I kind of Maybe I'm a little all over the place on one day, like some things <laughs> may be a little more funny. And yeah. then another day I'm just like livid about, you right. know, just people, certain segments of the population, this is affecting them more than yeah. ever. And so it, it, it really is just this real up and down <laughs> day yeah. by day, like, yeah. <laughs> Roller coaster of emotions. Um, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the, the writings, as we were talking about before, you know, sometimes I'll have prompts of writings with, with the people I'm, I'm meeting each day and like, you know, something mm. we'll be talking about, we'll really like agree on and resonate with. And, um, you know, like yesterday I photographed my friend Kathleen and, uh, you know, we were talking about how creepy it is like on Instagram that we're getting these ads for COVID-19, like these targeted ads for like stylish face masks like that is so oh, creepy. Yeah. so it's just like you know, these these little snippets of conversation will kind of lead me to like a bigger idea to talk about or whatnot yeah it's nice that even though we can't physically be together as much we can still communicate and and have a communal kind of discussion experience about what's yeah. going on um right. I thought it was interesting. I was reading your blog and back in January, you wrote about how we're all kind of distracted all the time by the external and we have social media and these notifications on our phones. And you just, you were talking about how, and you wanted to really intentionally slow down and cut back on your social media, maybe even stop being on Instagram, you know, having an old school alarm clock. I'm just wondering kind of maybe if you could share any thoughts about that kind of, what led what brought you to that place and kind of and how it seems like obviously now everything has slowed down and it's not as easy to be external because there's so much less going on everyone's kind of internally you know they're quarantined within their houses potentially and in even maybe within themselves just having to face you know who they are or what 
you know, their priorities, I think, is a big thing right now. But I'm just wondering, like, how, where you were in those two or three, four years before this decade started that you were kind of wanting to slow down? Yeah, I think um, the last four years or so, especially, I, I, deleted my Facebook account just because it felt Mm. like such noise all the time. And that was kind of the first thing. And, um, I did like get an alarm clock and started sleeping with, you know, waking up to that instead of my phone. Cause I would tend to like read on my phone, um, a lot. And yeah, with social media, I, I always struggle still with like, Oh, I want to delete my Instagram so badly. Um, and you know, I, I am an artist. And so there's some ways I'm like, how do I promote myself if I don't have Instagram or Facebook? And I kind of hate being beholden to these yeah. things because I mean, in- Instagram is owned by Facebook. So it's right. kind of like, <laughs> you know, it's still the same thing. It's not, yeah, yeah I haven't gotten rid of it completely. Um, but I also like seeing pictures when I am on it. I think like for me, I'm just trying to be more mindful of how I use technology. Um, yeah, I just like anytime I just noticed, like, I just, I hated being attached to my phone and like it would ding and I would like immediately go pick it up and, you know, like it felt like, like a trained animal or something. (laughs) So I think the last couple of years I've just been trying to be more mindful of technology, but I think I've in a sense just felt really overwhelmed um, maybe with like, just the speed of Austin and uh, mm-hmm. maybe the culture, like it's changed a lot and I don't mind change. I'm, I'm not somebody who's opposed to change. I think maybe the culture has just been, I haven't shared the same values as the culture. It just feels like everything's been moving really fast, very linear. There's no time to sort of like really just be it's it's felt like there's mm. so many things grabbing our external attention and in in a society where that is how our focus is attention or our attention is focused you know how do we quiet down and just sort of be with ourselves i mean that's what's happening right now yeah. essentially um so in some ways i feel like i've been ready for this i'd rather it not you know, be happening because of the economy crashing and people being affected by this. But it is an interesting time to sort of uh, take a really deep breath and you come to figure like what what is really important um, and what's not important. And I think it it turns out for me, like not a whole lot is important other than like my health and the health of my wife and like my family and friends and um you know, being able to have basic necessities like food and shelter and water. And um, I think being able to create brings a great sense of relief and joy to me. Um, So that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now. I I was laid off, so I have time to create um, and sort of, you know, I have, I just have more time. So it's, it's an interesting time for sure. And it, you know, does make me think like, oh, what do I, I mean, I've been thinking about what I want in life for a while. And it just seems to be in direct conflict with the way our society and culture is operating. So it it should be interesting to see what shifts. (laughs) Yeah, I can, I can really relate to that. I feel like I've 
been able to slow down in a way that makes me see where I was. Um, and I feel like, I feel like years of my life have gone by just reacting to things and just kind of chasing money or jobs or buying things. Or, I mean, even now, like I'll just be out and I'd, I might normally have an impulse to go to a store and buy something or something. And I'm just kind of like slow down. And I just think about it. I was like, do I really need that? Do I really need this? You know, I don't know. I just feel like I'm simplifying everything. I'm trying to just like say no to a lot of things. And, um, it's been really, uh, healing, I think for me to just slow down, have some quiet time, figure out what my priorities are, figure out what kind of life I really want to live and be just be more intentional. Like I feel, and I feel like that's the thought that I had when you were talking is like, I feel like our culture, it's like, if you're not super disciplined around having goals and being very intentional and protecting yourself in a way and your time, you can just get sucked up into this, into the, you know, the race and, uh, and then you just yeah. years go by and then you're like, oh, wow, where am I? Did I want to be here? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Where do I live? What's all this stuff? And who are these people? And yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm, right. uh, I'm trying to take advantage of this time to kind of make some, I feel like adjustments and, and kind of move forward, move closer and, and move more in the right direction for me, you know? Yeah, so. it's the time <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and uh, you were saying about um, technology. It seems like the choice to shoot film is definitely uh, a way to manage technology to slow things down for yourself. <laughs> Maybe if you could talk yeah, about shooting, I mean, your decision to shoot film. Yeah, because well, that's not I, a trivial I one. On film. No, no. I mean, I I learned photography on film in 1993, and I was like 14 years old, and I continued to study uh, film photography in college. And I got a digital camera in 2008, was my first digital camera. Mm -hmm. And maybe four four years ago, I ended up building a darkroom in my studio, and since then, I've only been shooting film. You know, if I do any client work, I'll shoot digital, obviously, but um, any personal projects, just like wandering around uh, day-to-day stuff, it's all film. And it's, you know, it's definitely slowed me down a lot because, and there's just this wonderful element of surprise that I get, which I don't get with digital. And uh, I don't think like one is any better than the other, but for me personally, it's like a, it's a way to be mindful and thoughtful and really intentional and not have too much of something. And like with digital, I tend to have like, you know, hundreds of files and like a 15 minute shoot. And now I have like three, maybe three versions of a shot in a roll of film just because film is more pricey and more precious. So just everything from, you know, like working a manual, fully manual camera to having a light light meter reading everything is there's it's very intentional it's very slowed down even spending time talking to subjects is something you know I spend more time talking to subjects now like people than I did with digital um, just because it felt like everything had to be so fast with digital and yeah. yeah I have more of a connection with my subjects and my environment I'm more in the moment I'm very present 
And then, you know, you forget kind of what you've taken on a roll of film and then you develop it and you have this just, I have like the best joy. I'm so excited. Yeah. I freak out every time, you know, every time <laughs> I, I develop a roll of film, I'm like jumping up and down in my dark room, like I'm a kid again. So it's just brings me this really insane amount of joy that like, I just can't give up at this point. It's just, it brings me so much happiness. So um, it's just tactile. I'm not sitting, you know, in front of my computer for hours anymore. Like I will scan stuff. Um, but I have a process down to where I really just make it as quick as possible if there is any computer work. But yeah, film film has given me, I think, exactly what I've been wanting, just slowing mm. down and less technology. And um, it's definitely brought me back more to myself, I think, uh, in the last few years. And I, I still do feel like I'm always fighting this, you know, like, less choices. Like I've been wearing the same outfit all this week every day yeah. because I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters right now. So it's right. just like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it, like, I just want to, yeah, I think it, it's, it's like, it does me really well to, to just be more intentional, make less choices about things. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think film is, is a wonderful way to, just be meditative and um, yeah, really intentional. Yeah. I've been, I can't remember if I mentioned this in our first try at this or this one or not, but yeah, I've been wanting to get back into shooting film um, for years and I have a four by five camera that I would love to start using. Um, Definitely a little bit of a learning curve and definitely a lot of slowing down and being super intentional and even, you know, taking so few shots of everything and, the whole process of getting to see it. But yeah, I don't, I can't remember the last time that I was jumping up and down for joy when I put uh, a memory card into my computer and pulled the (laughs) photos up in Lightroom. I don't remember that. (laughs) I mean, there's been, I've been excited about some photos for sure, but yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah. It's a different, I mean, I grew up shooting film too. I went to Austin community college. It has a great photography program. And back when they had, full-on film and dark rooms and everything so uh, I do miss those days I mean that's what made me fall in love with photography was shooting slide film Um, that was the first thing I ever did I shot slide film with my dad's Canon AE1 and there's this one particular shot of it was kind of like a right down at the end of our street there was like a sprinkler spraying on this bush and there was this spray of water and there was like kind of like this rainbow and I took a shot of it and I got the film developed and you know I'm sure you've noticed this on slides if you hold it a certain way you can actually see the texture of the image on the film playing oh yeah it's so cool that is just so cool yeah it's unbelievable Um, (laughs) so yeah I do I I definitely you know when you were talking about uh, just noticing how much joy film brought you I just wonder if when we're in this busy life, if there aren't these things that bring us joy that we kind of don't really pick up on as easily or latch on to or, or maybe even feel empowered to choose those things, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like, you know, when you were talking, it just feels like, again, I, I understand that I feel a luxury in the life that I have right now that I'm not sick, that I don't know anybody that's died, that I'm not in a, working at a 
hospital ER or something. Like I know that a lot of people are suffering and I'm very grateful for where I am. But I just feel like if you're open to it and you're intentional and you're kind of like what we're talking about, like there's like a whittling down of your life. Like it's like, yeah, I don't need all these clothes. I don't need all these things. It's like what's really important to me, you know? And I just feel like if anything good comes out of this, I hope that many people's lives will be prioritized and in that way that they're just kind of like really can focus on what's most important to them. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that has been most noticeable is just that there is so much more time. You know, there's less commuting and there's, uh, you know, we're stuck at home. So people are getting to spend more time with their families and, you know, there's no extracurricular activities going on. And so really there is just time for people to be with each other, um, you know, or themselves and really kind of reflect and figure out what they want to make room for right now. It's, and yeah, I'm very, very fortunate, even though I, you know, lost my job, you know, I have savings, so I'm okay, but, um, and I'm healthy and, and whatnot, but, yeah, I really I'm trying to use this time to do things that bring me joy. And it's sort of as a way of resisting, you know, the the fear and mm. you know, how how am I going to move through this and how do I want to help people move through this? And I think that is through me doing what I do best and what makes me happiest. And so that's kind of why I'm doing this project as well, just yeah. as a way to sort of resist and show that there is life and happiness and, you know, all the thoughts behind, you know, each caption. Um, I don't know, just kind of leading people to a question of what's working, what's not working. And yeah. 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 I think there, there, there have been days where I get stuck on like, you know, the anger and like the fear. And, and I think, um, you know, at the injustice of, of mm. people who are really getting affected by this. And, um, you know, somebody really wonderful and wise that I was speaking to, you know, she was just like, yeah, you know, it's important to acknowledge these things. There's nothing that you can do about it personally. Like, you know, I'll call my senator and I'll, um, you know, if I'm angry, I'll call my senator. They're on speed dial. <laughs> so, right. you know, I'll do that. But other than that, you know, other than like making sure my neighbors are okay and like I'm okay and my community is safe, you know, the best thing that I can do to resist is just like do things that bring me joy. And so that's what I'm trying to do right now. Yeah. And bring other people joy too, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about the juxtaposition of in a way, I was thinking about this pandemic project. It's like you're on the outside as, as an observer of these families in their homes, but you're not, I mean, you're also a part of this. So I don't know, like, how do you think about that juxtaposition? Like they're in their homes looking out, but you're, you're on the outside, but you're still going through the same thing, you know? Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I think like by nature for me, photography, like why I ended up really liking it is because, you know, when I was like 14, I think I was already used to observing people and behavior and like, you know, even maybe like a a friend dynamic or a family dynamic situation where I'm sort of like 
already observing people to see like, what am I going to walk into and having Mm -hmm. a camera kind of allowed me to like document this behavior. And it allowed me to be comfortable being an observer and not really, I'm not somebody who's super extroverted. Like I'm always sort of like, uh, you know, I'm not going to like jump in the middle of something. I'm going to observe it from every corner. I feel like the camera was sort of made a lot of sense for me. And it was just this extension for me to live life through uh, like my own eyes, but also other people's, um, you know, other people's situations. And so I feel like this is kind of one of those times where um, I'm able to observe people in this situation from the outside and they're in the inside. So it's very, it feels very um, familiar to me. Just, it doesn't feel much different. So, and then, then, you know, after I get the photos back and like, I'll have talked to these people and connected to they're they're all my friends, you know, something interesting will come out of the conversation. And it was just, it's a way I can interact with the world and interact with people. So I think like, it feels natural for me. It it doesn't feel anything different. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's something I uh, thought it was interesting. I was looking at all the different projects on, on your projects on your website and i think i would highly recommend everyone go look at all your work uh there uh there was your series the study of aloneness and i just think about aloneness in this situation uh there's a lot of aloneness i imagine um and you said um the deeper into aloneness one goes ultimately paves the way of losing and unraveling unraveling the false identity created over a lifetime the minimal and simplistic compositions support the idea of forced self-awareness and challenges the behavioral patterns of avoiding oneself through external distractions. Again, some similar themes in your other work, but I think that that speaks to at least the experience that I'm having just as a, an, uh, an individual by himself, uh, in a sense, uh, going through this is... Um, yeah, it's it gives you if you're willing to do it, like you say, it gives you a chance to unravel the false identity you've created over a lifetime. It's kind of that's kind of intense, yeah. but um, I mean, I welcome that you know forced self awareness and and looking at behavioral patterns uh, that can be ignored or overlooked through all this external distraction. So I don't know what, tell me uh, a little bit about that series. And obviously that relates to this. (laughs) It definitely does. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, Yeah. I mean, anything on, on my like personal artwork page, it's something that I've experienced and I've gone through and it's my way of sort of uh, like figuring out a situation or demystifying an experience that I'm having. And um yeah, study of aloneness, it, it really was about me sort of learning to have a relationship with myself. And like you you can you can experience aloneness like by yourself, but you can also experience it with another person. Um yeah. in my situation, I was physically alone and so I it was something that I needed to do in order to kind of um just do a daily, I just sort of daily journaled. And then I turned all these journals into photographs. And ultimately, Mm. it just it became um, about me having a relationship with myself. 
like you learning to sit with the really good things and sit with the really uncomfortable things. And, you know, if, if you, if you spend time alone and, and you're sort of like working on a relationship with yourself, you are understanding all of these, um, maybe like behaviors that don't, don't serve you like they might have when you were younger, but as an adult, they don't. Um, and it just, I think it was just mostly a project about self-compassion most, most of all. And, Mm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's been like 10, almost 10 years since that project. And at the time it was this really like profound experience. And I, like when I think about, um, you know, even, even I'm, I'm married now, but even I can experience aloneness with another person. Um, you still always want to like keep self-compassion for yourself and, and grow. And I think during this time of like, it's so quiet and there's, there's not that much, you know, distraction. It it is a good time to sort of reflect. And I I was thinking about how this project might actually help you know, certain people who are struggling right now. Um, the interesting thing with that project is once I finished it and sort of like I had a, a show, a few shows of it. And, um, you know, I would have people like emailing me and being like, oh, this this really, you know, is helping me what I'm going through. That That's mm. what's so great about art is we all go through the same stuff. Like yeah. nobody's different from one another it's just that my grief might look different than yours or my anger or sadness or my joy my my power might look a little creepier than yours would you know like but it's still beautiful um i i think the project just sort of captures the spirit of um you know how complex the human condition is and yeah we can't we, we can't all relate to each other and art is something that's just you can universally grab onto it and apply your own meaning to it and be affected by it. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I also kind of gathered from um, reading your writing and looking at your work, you talk about just healing through art creation, which is kind of what we're talking about. You're trying to heal yourself. Like, I'm wondering if you could expand on that as just the idea of like art therapy or you know or just kind of changing yourself through your work or even you know what can often happen is you create work and then you see yourself in the work and you realize something about yourself oh yeah for sure I mean I think I think anytime I'm stuck in life um I will usually do a project on it so Hmm. you know or like trying trying to understand and just try and move through it. And it really helps me move through something. So like with the study of aloneness, I really was trying to sort of figure out I had, um, you know, maybe like 13 or 14 years of, of maybe being in situations um, that weren't good for me and like figuring out like how, how can I really learn to like give myself what is good for me? And, you know, what do I want? And study of aloneness sort of came out of that. Um, I think I did a series on, uh, teenagers I was teaching at the time and, uh, I found this witchcraft book and I used to be really into witchcraft as a teenager and I kind of forgot all about that. And I found the book and I happened to be teaching teenagers that were also sort of like into the same stuff. 
And so uh, I just decided to like do a calendar based on the wheel of the year, um, the pagan calendar. And, you know, like, it's interesting teaching teenagers totally healed parts of my like damaged teenage self. So, oh, wow. um, like that was an incredible experience. Uh, I'm, I'm really good friends with most of the kids I taught that were, you know, 13, 14, and they're now 25, 26. And I see them every week. So, um, mm. that was tremendously healing. So just doing a project, um, you know, based on certain years of your life that were maybe difficult, that helped me. Um, you know, I photographed my the aftermath sort of of my dad's passing as well and trying to make sense of somebody who has just disappeared <laughs> from your life yeah. all of a sudden is very confusing and traumatic. So, you know, really like my using the camera as a tool to like figure out how I'm going to go through these things is just been tremendously helpful for me. And, you know, I did a, a kind of a little study on grief and what grief is. Uh, I did a, before this, I had for a year and a half figured out, um, you know, about like sort of this disconnection between like my, my body and my mind. And, mm. uh, that was to, to record water for only 10 days. That was their a series of cyanotypes and Van Dyke brown prints and their digital collages with film photographs I'd taken. Um, yeah, I so love those. It's all They're just really beautiful. And, yeah, everything is kind of different from each other, but it still has this sort yeah. of beautiful slash creepy vibe. Um, but like that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what going through all that is, you know? There's a lot of... I don't know. There's like in the struggle, there's a lot of beauty. And so it's mm. like important to show, I think both, both sides and yeah, all of my work is basically things I'm trying to figure out and move through in my own life. So, and this pandemic is, is one of those. Right. Too, so, <laughs> I mean, I guess ultimately artwork should be that, right? I don't know. Like what else is it for? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it, you could, it could be about sharing beauty or, um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's lots of things, but I think that for sensitive, thoughtful people, it probably can be a great tool, uh, for self-growth, you know? Um, yeah. I actually was going to mention that, uh, series you did, um, of your dad's house and his effects. And I just, you know, when I saw mm-hmm. that, it just made me think of, you know, the courage and kind of the instinct that you'd have to have to be able to just immediately jump in and start photographing something like that you know like I you know I lost my dad three years ago but it was like a year and a half long drawn out death you know he had Lou Gehrig's disease so but I never I never felt comfortable picking up my camera and documenting that you know like there was just you know it's like watching him slowly deteriorate over a year and a half to become a different person like and I think that he was so self-conscious, like, I don't know, it would have been really hard for me to photograph him. Like, but I I have seen other photographers do just beautiful moving series about their father's deaths or parents' deaths that, you know, that are really valuable. So I don't know, I just, you know, I think about different things that have happened in my life where I probably could have picked up a camera and, and documented it in some way, and I've chosen not to. And I just wonder, like, 
did that seem like a natural choice to you? I mean, are you the kind of photographer that just always has your camera and you're just going to document everything? Or was that was it like a really conscious thing that you had to go through to like, say, I'm going to document this? I mean, I think like maybe a little, a little bit of both. Like I definitely usually have a camera around. But I think for me, the the trauma of like the shock of losing him so quickly like I kind of don't even remember taking most of those pictures mm. I just happened to have my camera with me and he lived in Florida and so I was living in Austin and I just kind of brought my camera and I don't I don't even remember like the week 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 and a half I was there just kind of wow trying to trying to make sense of it I guess because I was just like what is happening like it was the weird it was it was the weirdest thing I've ever been through. Um, Mm. But being able to document like his surroundings and his belongings and just what was left of a life that was very quickly left. um, I'm so glad I have these photos. Like it, it really wasn't too intentional. Like I can't remember thinking, I really need to get this picture and this picture. It wasn't like that at Mm. all. It was just something I felt like I had to do so that I can remember these nuances about him. Like if you look at the pictures and like you look at his garage, it looks like a Lowe's yeah. catalog ad. It's like right, insane. It does. He's so <laughs> organized. You know, he would like vacuum his his carpet and like he would have lines in the carpet and then his friends would say they'd come and run through it and he'd get really pissed off. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. he was just really like clean freak. And yeah. uh, I don't know, I just felt like I really needed to capture that so I wouldn't forget. So, you know, I don't have a lot of, um, I don't have like a lot of video or recordings of his voice. And so, you know, I figured I lost him at like 30. So I'll have lived a very long part of my life without hearing his voice or seeing him. And so I guess I kind of just instinctively knew I should capture his surroundings. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And there was even that photo you did a self-portrait wearing you know, his head and wristband or what, you know, that's, that was pretty moving. Is there anything that, um, out of all that, that you actually kept like a physical, physical things that you kept that like mementos? I, it's funny. My, my dad and I are really similar in that, uh, like we don't have a lot of stuff or we didn't buy a lot of stuff. And he had moved into this house in Florida from the Bay area. And when he bought the house, it was just a sort of like, uh, you know, just like this typical house in a suburb and he didn't have any furniture and like everything was beige and like, there was no personality in the house. It was so funny. <sighs> uh, so like there wasn't much sentimental stuff to take other than like, you know, his headbands and his wristbands and uh like his watch and maybe his glasses the things that were like he would he would wear these ridiculous uh like headbands from the 80s like yeah right when he would be doing yard work or like playing tennis <laughs> or like cutting down trees and i just thought they were so dorky and so funny and so like yeah that that whole week i was like wearing his headband and his wristband and I was wearing this like really fancy watch he had and he had this like gold medallion necklace and I just put that on and I was like, yeah. I'm going to go run out and get some food. And my sister's like, you're going to get mugged. You have to 
take all of this off. <laughs> you look insane. I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize I was wearing it. <laughs> Just because I was like, you know, totally zoned out. But uh, yeah, I took I took some some good stuff yeah. that you know reminds reminds me of him, and he 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 just didn't. He didn't have a lot of stuff, so yeah, it made it easy to take the real personal stuff. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a big gold chain that was my dad's too, with a big nugget thing with a diamond in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what is that? It must be like the eighties. It was from the eighties, yeah, definitely. Popular. Yeah, <laughs> dad, dad fashion from the eighties. <laughs> yeah, um, how old was he when he died? He was sixty-one. Okay. So he was pretty young. And uh, the weird thing is, is his dad was 61 when he passed away. And oh, wow. my aunt told me that my great grandfather was 61 when he passed Whoa. away. And they all passed away on like the same day, which is even what? more bizarro. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's strange. And that's always a little unnerving. I'm not a man. So I don't think I'm headed towards the same outcome. But I'm like, Oh, that's really creepy. Like, when I think about being 41, I'm sort of like, Oh, I hope I have more than 20 years left. You know, like, I hope that's not my destiny, too. So it's just interesting to think about like coincidence. And um, yeah, Mm. that's really bizarre. (laughs) So he he was pretty young. Yeah, my dad was, he was just 67, I think. Yeah, he would just, had just retired. That's very young. Yeah. Um, young. Maybe you could talk about um, something you mentioned in one of your writings about having morning affirmations, and maybe if you could elaborate on that into like any kind of daily routines or things that you do that might be interesting. Yeah. Like self-care and yeah. compassion, <laughs> all that. Definitely. It's interesting because uh, from my last project, I realized I had a lot of stuff that I needed to sort of work through even after doing the project. Mm. Like, okay, I've kind of gotten somewhere with the state of where I am. And uh, I have this really wonderful routine in the morning. I'll just lay in bed and before I get up, I kind of think like what, what great thing is going to happen today? Like, yeah, you know, just sort of an element of surprise and kind of leading with, there's the opportunity for something really great to happen today. Um, another one is, you know, it's sort of like in the last year or so, I've sort of learned how to reparent myself. Mm, that's been yeah. something that's been really valuable to me. Um, you know, just not, being able to give myself what I need when I need it. And uh, some one other thing that helps me every morning is I just say, like, you know, I'm here for you when things go really well, and I'm here to help celebrate you, and I'm here for you if things don't go well. And if, mm. you know, you screw up, I'm here for you then, too. Just sort of this unconditional, uh, like, self-love. Just, yeah. you know, because I think I think people in general tend to be pretty hard on themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think our culture just has sort of set us up in a way to where there's a constant. I don't know. Society overwhelms me. And so I think yeah. this stuff just really helps me kind of get through good times and get through tougher times. And I'll usually meditate for like 
maybe one or two minutes, not very long in the morning. Um, it usually helps if I like go for a walk in the evening or also maybe meditate before bed. Those are just sort of like the, the, the daily rituals that I have that if I do them, I have good days. If I don't, that I feel kind of unsettled and confused yeah. and <laughs> not as grounded. It's interesting. Yeah, definitely yeah. not as grounded. So. Yeah, that makes me think about um, something you were saying earlier and a thought that I had that around like just, you know, evaluating behaviors that we have or ways of thinking that aren't working for us anymore. You know, that's, uh, I think that requires a lot of compassion to kind of see those things as like, um, there were ways that we tried to keep ourselves safe. You know, you know, there's like yeah. certain ways of thinking or acting that we had to develop as a kid to stay safe and, and, you know, they might not work for us as an adult. And I think that, you know, that whole re that idea of reparenting is so important. And uh, I actually, I, that had come up in therapy years ago and I'd kind of forgotten about it. I'm glad you reminded me. That's such a good, um, way of thinking about treating yourself the way, you know, ideally you would have been treated, uh, by a, a stable, uh, parent who was very encouraging and nurturing and safe, you know, right. I really, I really like the idea of doing that. Yeah. Are there I mean, any if, other if habits? Have that. Oh, uh, I mean, any I've eliminated ones? <laughs> any new ones. Not that I can think of. I feel like I feel like I've been like preparing for something like this, you know, just like, I don't know. I feel like it's like the last, Oh, well, okay. So kind of a new habit in December, like, uh, I just like my body wasn't feeling great. And, uh, I decided to, I'm, I'm like pretty lactose intolerant and I love cheese and, yeah, you know, I'm like, one. I need to cut cheese out. I need to stop eating eggs and, like just be healthy. So like, I feel, uh, it's not a habit. It's more like something I have to do, but it's just one more thing of like not letting myself, um, I don't know. It's just taking more choice, taking away things that don't make me feel good. I think is yeah. like the biggest, the biggest lesson. Like I 13 years sober, I like really have no, I have no fun. I can't eat cheese. Like, you know, like I'm used to kind of like this practice of like, Oh, that's bad for me. I have to stop doing that. So it's, it's interesting. It's just, I'm, I'm pretty aware of like, or trying to be more aware of like how my body feels. I think this, I think yeah. this last year I've been practicing also and trying to figure out more. It's interesting. Like with, I'm a very empathetic person and I can understand how other people are feeling and, um, I can't always understand how I'm feeling, you know, or yeah. I won't maybe allow myself to feel certain things like anger. Um, and this past year, that's just been something I've been really working on and like letting myself mm. feel it um, and move through it because it's all right. You know, it's just like what you need to do to be healthy. And so that, that's been interesting. I'd say the last year, just like even understanding my own feelings, that's, and I think, you know, art, that art makes me question what I'm feeling. Like it also, if I'm visually putting, if I'm putting a visual to a feeling, then it, that 
that tells me I need to kind of like dig a little deeper somewhere. Mm. So it kind of tells me what I need to do as well. Yeah. You know, one thing that you uh, have on your website uh, that I really liked is these, uh, you said, uh, call it four ways of looking. Do you know those off the top of your head? I could read them off. I just really liked that. Um, Stare up at the sky for peace and clarity. Glance down at your feet. Rock them back and forth for grounding. Spin yourself slowly. Notice life and energy all around you. Look within and dig into the truth. That's really good. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And do you do that often? (laughs) I, you know, that's funny. I, um, I do most like, I'd say I, I will plant my feet on the ground and rock them back and forth because I tend to like forget that I'm in a body. Like it's not, not a bad thing, but I just feel a little like disconnected sometimes or I'm, I'm taking an information from like, something other than my body, like kind of in the, in the air. I don't know how to, to describe it, but yeah. I'll sometimes just like feel really clumsy and I'll like walk into a doorway. I'll just feel like I'm out of my body. And so I have to yeah. be like, Oh wait, I've got a body. And I just sort of rock back and forth in my, my feet on the ground. And I instantly I'm like, okay, that's better. You know, take some deep, deep breaths or whatever. I don't really have like anxiety or anything like that. I just, sometimes feel like I'm floating or I'm disconnected from my head and my body. It's interesting. (laughs) But yeah, that does help. I think like anytime you can attach senses, like seeing, uh, touch, hearing and smelling like that usually always instantly connects me back to my body and grounding and maybe keeping me in touch with how I'm feeling inside too. So yeah, that I think it kind of reminds me of one of the practices I remember Julia Cameron talks about in The Artist's Way. Have you ever read that? I haven't. I need to. She talks about just going outside and going for a walk and just like really looking at things and looking at a plant and studying it. And it's just like a way to get grounded. I mean, you're looking at something else, but you're getting grounded within yourself in a sense, like you're getting more present. Um yeah. I I feel like I do that all the time and I feel like you probably must be always observing and always looking as a photographer, right? Yeah. 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 I, I mean I would say camera or not, I feel like I'm always looking at something like really closely or from far away and um yeah, just like studying something. Mhm. I feel like that is just me- meditative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I I wonder, you call yourself, or at least on your website, you have yourself listed as a an artist, photographer, an art educator. Like, how do you differentiate? Because I struggle with that too. It's like, do I call myself an artist or a photographer? Like, what what do you see the difference being between those two words? Really, I I think it I think it confuses me because at times, like when I have been a photographer, I've shot like weddings or done commercial work or you know, done like family photography, but that's not what I enjoy doing. Um, I feel more like, I guess I'm an artist that happens to use the camera as a tool to say what I need to say. You know, the pandemic series is much more of like a general documentary photography. It's like more straightforward. 
So I guess I put both on there because I can do both. Um, yeah. And then art, I'm not teaching at the moment, but, uh, yeah, I'd be interested in teaching again. What do you like teaching? Well, I taught, um, I taught photography and international baccalaureate art at a school for seven years Mm. and then just like kind of got burned out, wanted to do something a little different. And so the last couple of years I've been like, um, a business consultant for, for different artists in town and. Um, mm. just working on like my, my own projects and things like that. But um, like, I really, really loved teaching teenagers and it was sort of a fluke. I just need, like they needed somebody to fill in for the rest of the year at the school that I was teaching at. And um, I ended up staying for seven years. So I just had this like really amazing experience working with teenagers. And I was terrified because I was sort of a nightmare as a teenager and I'm like, Oh, these like just thinking like most teenagers were like that. And like, it didn't turn out to be like just the most amazing experience. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know in what capacity how I'd want to teach again, but I don't know. I sometimes think like there, I think there is an interest in film and you know, with with younger kids and also like just people like you and I who learned on film who haven't shot yeah. it in a while. Um, a refresher. Yeah, I'm always kind of yeah, I'm always kind of thinking like if if I should do like workshop series or something like that. Obviously now that's not a good time to do it, but like yeah, you know, in the future, thinking of ways I can engage with teaching again because it's something I did really enjoy. Nice. Um, yeah. What were you teaching as far as uh, you said teaching? business to artists like helping artists with their businesses oh after teaching um i worked for a few different artists in town just helping helping them run their their business operations and yeah so like kind of helping them run their business so that they could do what they needed to do Uh, i worked with joe sweck for about a year um he's Mm -hmm. one of my old friends he's a sign painter in town yeah. That was really fun. It was really awesome working with him. Um, yeah, just kind of doing consulting. And then I, I had a, a small stint where I'm like, maybe I should join the tech world at 40. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah. After like, I've never been in it. So I, I did that for like six or seven months and I met some really awesome people, but you know, it wasn't for me. So I, I stopped doing that. Since stopping teaching, I'm kind of been like on the, the, the quest to figure out like what, what I'm supposed to be doing mm. in the world. And I'll always do art because it's something that I have to do. Like it makes me happy. It's something that I, I want to do. So yeah. it's always like, that's a big part of my life and something I'll do regardless of whatever job I have. But yeah, I'm, I've been in this space maybe the last four years of just trying to figure, figure it all out. You know, what, what should I do? <laughs> How can I benefit society too, I think is like the bigger question for me, you know? And I think since I'm not doing that, I feel out of place or I feel, Hmm. you know, so I've been trying to figure out how to, how to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything you could share more on the kind of the business side. You know, I saw your, you have an Etsy store, um, you have a decent amount of sales on there. I mean, speaking of the study of aloneness, it seems like 
the metaphysical libertarianism image is quite popular. Um, I'm just wondering how you think about selling your work or if there's anything you could share with me around like kind of like your strategy or things that you feel like have worked for you. I really like the, how you have kind of like, um, cells on your, uh, Etsy site that, you know, offer like a certain deals on, you know, pick any image in the gallery or something. I had never quite seen that before. I thought that was kind of interesting, but any, just any thoughts you might have about photography, the business of photography or making a living, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, with art, I feel like it's really hard to sell photographs. Like, in in gallery shows or like you know a painting is going to sell a photograph may or may not and I think it was years ago that I put my stuff up on Etsy and I had no plan around it I've never done anything except for throw the work up there and haven't done anything else I really got lucky is what happened and Mm. um, I think that metaphysical libertarianism was featured on a blog by Emily Henderson who I don't I didn't know at the time, but she's like on HGTV and she had this like this blog on how to do a gallery wall at home. And I think one of the photos was featured in that. And she's got like, you know, like 200,000 followers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so I just sort of lucked out with that. But um, yeah, you know, I'm really, I'm really not good at marketing my art. Like I'm good at making the art. And then um, what I've been trying to do with this pandemic series is like kind of just put it out more. And I don't know, I just think like the the time's really important. And uh, yeah, but I mean, with with print sales, I think, more specifically, I mean, I just sort of let Etsy do its thing. I don't do anything to Etsy. In fact, I think Etsy's gotten really, um, there's just so many people on it and they've changed a lot of the stuff. It's like there's mm. an algorithm and it's it's less lucrative for me than it used to be. Um, I look at print sales for myself as just like a, anytime I sell a print, it's either used to fund another project or like I put it away for retirement so I can someday retire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. And I, I also, I, it's interesting. Like I also, I also really want to make art accessible to people. Like I mm-hmm. don't want it to be this thing where only like really wealthy people can afford it. Um I mean, I think especially with the photograph, it's harder to charge a lot of money for a photograph, whereas like with the painting, there is one painting. And yeah. so, you know, it's with, with photography and print, you have the ability to reproduce. So I think like for me, I I feel like innately my work is, um, it speaks to people emotionally. And so I feel like, I want my work to be accessible for people. And so I think, you know, I have no price points about like, I'm just basically coming up with a number being like, Oh, this seems good. You know, I'm making like a certain margin off of it, but I think I'm just doing it intuitively, which is probably the wrong way (laughs) in terms of a business person. But yeah, I just want, I want people to be able to buy the work if they can. And yeah. And your goal is not necessarily to, or is it to fully make a living from being an artist? Or do you imagine that 
you'll always have uh, like a job. How do you think? About I think that? I will always have a job. I think I'll always have a job. I'm trying to figure out like what is the job that I I feel just as just as like empowered by as making art. And that's always the the question I'm trying to figure out. Um, yeah, I just I don't know how to make a living doing art as a as a you know someone who does photography. Um, yeah. I mean, I could, I could shoot weddings and I could shoot families and I've done that and I just really dislike it. So it's ironic. I'm yeah. shooting families right now for like pandemic series. <laughs> and there's, I, I just, I know it's a like, little different. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just think that there's so many talented wedding and, and, uh, family photographers out there who are already doing great work. Yeah. You know, like I, they don't, they don't need someone who's not really into it. That's kind of how I looked at it. Like I had fun at first shooting weddings. Um, I had some like really, really fun clients. They were definitely like not super, they were just sort of do whatever, you know, document our wedding, do whatever you want. Like we don't, have any rules or anything those were really fun i think when it once it got into like okay we're gonna do like mercury hall and we want it to look like this certain kind of wedding like Mick Jagger, bianca jagger uh right. then, like, the, it just got to like when it became this other thing like the, this art directed thing um i just stopped enjoying it once it be- it became really like too controlled and too yeah like high stakes or something yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I just stopped enjoying it. And that's always my struggle with like any commercial work too. A lot of times I'll I'll feel like I'm just there to sort of light it and like press the press the button, you know, if mm-hmm. there's like a lot of people on set kind of like doing other things and making the creative decisions. So I haven't you know, I, I haven't ever thought like, oh, I should just do photography full time. Um I think for me, just making art something I'll always do. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now in a position where I should find another job, which should be <sighs> weird in this time. But at least I have a little time to think about, you know, what that's yeah. going to be and next moves. So Yeah. But then, obviously, <laughs> still leaning on your str- your strengths of creating your art. Yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's very, very important. And uh, my my wife is also an amazing painter, an amazing artist. Mm. And we we just built a studio in our backyard like two or three year three years ago now. And so she's nice. able to paint really large for the first time. And that space has, you know, made us create a ton of work in a small amount of time. So we are always like talking about how you know how we can both. I guess, spend time making more art and figuring yeah. that out. So, yeah, that's always nice. been, I mean, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for us all. You know, there's like two things that I, I was kind of curious about, your collaboration with Jana Sweck, or yeah. we could talk about what I thought was really interesting that you mentioned um you're, you know, to record only water for 10 days, that project, you were talking about how music drives your creativity. I don't know, which one of those things yeah. do you think would be more fun to talk about, or both? You know, I think, uh, I think the last one to record water. Okay. Yeah, so tell me about the role of music in your life. 
Yeah. I mean, I think I, I grew up playing instruments and guitar and piano and was in bands when I was younger and music was always, uh, it was always like a really hard decision for me, whether I wanted to be a musician or an artist, like what I wanted to focus on Mm. and art won out, but um, I'm I'm always very influenced by music, and if I'm like creatively blocked or anything, if I'm listening to music, it instantly gives me a visual to what I'm feeling, and it really helps spark kind of a visual idea. Um, and so, a lot of my like a lot of the titles of my photographs are after songs or. Hmm. Um, songs from different albums but I had always wanted to and I definitely have like we all have formative albums that we've listened to that have like kind of changed our lives if we're really into music and have really like just sat with us and uh, John Frusciante's To Record Water for Only 10 Days was a solo album and I'm not a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan and he's the guitarist in the Red Hot Chili Peppers fan but um, yeah, I walked into Amoeba Records in Berkeley one day, and when I was like in my early twenties, still living in California, and uh, I kind of asked the guy like, "What should I? What should I get?" And he's like, "Oh, this. This just came out." And so I just kind of took his word and got it, and it was incredible. It was, um, you know, about somebody. At least my understanding, it was about somebody losing themselves entirely and having to sort of rebuild themselves back up again mm. while also it I almost kind of like the almost felt like it had this like shamanistic vibe like he was hearing spirits and there was this other dimension happening um like that that's what the lyrics tell me and then the music itself was really stripped down and it was like um electric guitar and um like drum machines and like synthesizers and visually, to me, it kind of looked like this, I don't know, like like Krautrock, like from Berlin in the 70s, kind of psychedelic era. era. And so I was really mm-hmm. inspired visually by that. And so I created a lot of backgrounds and um, Illustrator and Photoshop and then took a lot of my own pictures that I had taken from years ago, just went into my archive and started piecing things together and making really weird landscapes and um, you know, basically listening to each song coming up with um, something that I was going through in my own life, feeling disconnected, feeling like I'm trying to rebuild myself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Losing myself in a sense and going through that. So that's what the work is about. It's very, I think closely connected to what his, the meaning of his albums were, but visually it was just driven by, um, I kind of like having less choice, like I'm only allowed blue or brown and restricting myself sort of. It's sort of like how I don't like have a lot of belongings. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I have like, you know, in my home, it's pretty minimal. It's just like I, I in art too, I guess I kind of like the restriction of taking things away and having less variables. Like having yeah. a limited palette like a painter would maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the music and just, I think listening to music really helps give me a visual for what I'm thinking and feeling and I can just translate it into an artwork and yeah. Nice. 
<laughs> well, I really appreciate your time. I feel very inspired to just in thinking about like, you know, um, how you're inspired to create your work, like you said, through journaling or through music or just through processing things in your life or self-healing. Like I really, I feel like I'm definitely want to think more about that for myself, about how I can have a creative practice that integrates, you know, kind of the work that I want to do on myself. And I really appreciate you modeling that and, and living that. It's uh, really cool. I'm really glad to know about it. Yeah. Thanks so much. (laughs) And yeah, I appreciate your time and I really love the series and I encourage anyone to, you know, check out your Instagram and check out your website. Um, Suzanne Kett, K O E T T, right. Dot com. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, do you have anything else that you want to, um, share with anyone? Just stay, stay healthy, stay safe, stay sane. (laughs) Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. If this episode or any other I've produced have helped you or added value to your life, please support the podcast so it can continue and grow. Just go to austinarttalk.com forward slash support. There you can find a link to my Patreon page and there is also a PayPal option and an Amazon affiliate link. I couldn't keep doing this without your help. All the best to you and take care.